Okay, cool. So we're going to start a new series. And if you've been to the Davises, you may have seen. There we go. This mug. Who's seen this mug at the Davises? Anyone had this mug at the Davises? Well, Liz, obviously. <laughs> um, so who can guess what our series is in? Hebrews! It's really great. Uh, Aruna in one of our prayer meetings, uh, Bible study sessions said, I'd be really good to look at Hebrews. And I was like, tee hee, that's not experience. That's really good. So that was good. Um, so we are looking at Hebrews. And I'm going to start, as is usually the case, at the very beginning, because that is a good place to start. So Hebrews starts with long ago. And all the best things start with long ago, um, so that is kind of blurry, uh, but that's when uh, Bilbo Baggins in uh, uh, The Hobbit, yeah, The Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey, is telling the story of what happened to him, and so you've got that long ago. Uh, Ryan, hilariously, when he preached, uh, nicked one of the ones that I was going to use, which was, it began long ago in a land far away to the east, the likes of which you will not find, oh no, that's the wrong one. The one he started with... This is a story about something that happened long ago when your grandfather was a child. It's a very important story because it shows how all the comings and goings between our world and the land of Narnia first began. So, like, The, the Magician's Nephew is one of my favourite books, so I was really excited when Ryan read that the other week. Um, and I was like, oh, I get to read it again! I was like, two terms in a row, it's great. Um, there's a show, uh, because I'm a dork and, you know, I watch cartoons despite the fact I'm an adult, um, there's a show called Avatar, The Last Airbender, and that starts with, long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony, and then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. And there's people nodding about that. I, I, was, I was not expecting that. Cool, I thought that was a real curveball, and everyone's going to be like, what? Cool, brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, as far as cartoons go, that's a really good one. Um, but anything that starts with long ago, you know it's going to be epic. You know that anything that starts with long ago, and you know it's going to be epic, and it's going to be like, the story is here, but there's this past history that is going to impact the story now, and that there's this vast history which is important. And you sort of start the story here, and like, here is where the focus is, but actually there's this massive history. You know, Middle Earth has got all ridiculous amount of backstory for everything and you know the the magician's nephew is the backstory to the line the wish in the wardrobe the really well known one so all that sort of stuff is it's this long ago so what that's saying is the hebrew or the um it's israel's history all that came before it all of the old testament that is the long ago that is the context for what we're going to look at and it's going to be fun and it's going to be epic and it continues to say in many times and in many ways to our ancestors, ancestors through the prophets, God spoke. Uh, so I thought, any, any, any takers who can name me a way that God spoke to people in the Old Testament through the prophets? Feel free to shout answers out. Burning bush, that was on my list, yes. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, and then the still small quiet voice, yeah? Yeah? Any more, any more? Donkey! That was my absolute favourite one. Um, the talking donkey that talks about me. That, I, I, that story always encourages me that, you know, if I ever feel like, oh, what if I'm doing is wrong, I just know that, you know, if God you know, really wants me to do something, he will send a talking donkey. So, you know, there's no fear of that. And, yeah, <laughs> Daphne goes, John! <laughs> That'd be really weird. Um, anyone else? Anyone? Any others? John the Baptist, yeah, so a specific person, yeah. Um... <laughs> I always threw some others. So, you know, he spoke to people through the Ten Commandments. 
uh, he spoke to people through, uh, like Joseph had dreams, and there was a, a, a fleece with Gideon, and God was like testing, it, or he was testing God, and it got wet and was dry and dry and it was wet and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, and then even Adam and Eve, God was sort of you know face to face, just you know hanging out in the garden with them. But what I like is that it's in many ways, many times, and in many ways. Um, one of the things I mentioned in one of my previous preaches is that you know the Bible isn't just a book full of repeats. It's not the same story over and over and over again. It's different chapters, different things are happening. And Hebrews is sort of like the next chapter in this story where God has been speaking. And I like that it starts with this because it says, because he could easily go, Jesus, 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 it's all about Jesus. Nothing that came before matters. But what he's saying here is God had spoken to people before and in many times and in many ways through the prophets. So he sort of gives sort of validation to all the Old Testament and what came before. And then says, now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. So it's just, like I say, it's that next chapter. God spoke in these ways before, and they were good, and they were valid. But now, he's speaking to us through his son. And an interesting thing in this, which you might have spotted, and maybe gone, ooh, is these final days. Can I get another ooh? Ooh. Yeah, so that will make people think of... End times. You know, is uh, <laughs> you may look at that and go, oh goodness, didn't expect that. But uh, you know, often people say, "Are we in the final days?" And the answer is really easy, yes. <laughs> so you've got this first. There's uh, one Peter twenty that says, "God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but He has now revealed him revealed him to you in these last days." And uh, the prophet Joel, when he was saying about the last days, when people would be filled with the Spirit, that the Spirit would be poured out on all people. That's happened, hasn't it? So there's three verses saying, yes, we are in the last days, and people can get really hung up on sort of end time stuff, but we've been in them for the last 2,000 years. <laughs> the end times started at the cross, and it was like the cross with this fuse that got lit, and you know there was everything before the cross, and anything since then is like the countdown to the end. Um, so in terms of end times, I would encourage you with what Jesus said in Matthew 24, which was, you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So, yeah, I just encourage you with what Jesus says, which is, don't panic. You know, you can think, ah, end times, and, and lose your mind. And uh, the last 2,000 years have been full of people going, oh my goodness, this is it, this is the end. You know, World War I, people thought that was the absolute end. World War II, the same thing. Uh, people thought, you know, Y2K was going to be it, and, you know, computers were going to blow up and the world would explode. People thought the Hadron Collider being turned on was going to be the end, and black holes would suck in everything. Um, the Mayan calendar coming to an end. It's like, oh my goodness, 2012 is going to end. Um, Donald Trump becoming president. Oh no, yeah, yeah. yeah that anything that, that ever happens at any point ever with Israel, people go, oh my goodness, this is the end. So, you know, I'll just encourage you, don't, don't panic. <laughs> it's, it's important to know that we're in these final days and to know that there's these birth pains which are getting smaller and smaller and closer together. But don't panic. We've been in them for 2,000 years and it's this long fuse that's been lit. Um, so, <coughs> yeah, don't panic. And the other bit that I really like from these opening verses is us. So with those ways that we mentioned God speaking in the Old Testament, it was God spoke to like 
Moses through the burning bush, or he spoke to uh, Joseph in dreams, and then Joseph relayed the message, or Moses relayed the message, and it was God spoke to a you know, special person who then relayed the message to the people. But what Jesus did was he spoke to us directly. And it wasn't to the prophet, it wasn't to the high priest, it wasn't to the king, it wasn't to the most important person in the world. He came down and he spoke to us. He spoke to the normal people. He spoke to the fishermen and he spoke to uh, the outcasts and the prostitutes and anyone, the young, the old, everyone. God was speaking directly to us, which is why it's so much better. Because <laughs> there's no sort of intermediary. Oh, I was so convinced I wasn't going to be able to get that out when I thought that would. Um, but yeah, God speaks to us directly and that's just cool, isn't it? God said, I've, I've spoke through people and through things to people and now I'm, it's God's literal mouth that spoke to everyone, which is really cool. So I like that. Um, then it says, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And this is something that actually going through Psalms we often find is that the psalmist will talk about someone who will sit on the eternal throne of David or uh, the Messiah that will have to the ends of the earth as their possession. And the author is saying sort of to the, the readers that will know that stuff that, that's been said. is saying, Jesus is it. This has happened. Um, all that stuff that you were waiting for, that you'd been told was going to happen, this is it. Be excited. Yay. Um, you know, it's, it's really just encouraging to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of so much stuff that was promised in the Old Testament, and that's such a theme of Hebrews. And then there's this bit is just the absolute best. It says, and through whom he also made the universe, which is just the most epic afterthought in the world, isn't it? It's, it's, it's great. Um, it's like, uh, you know, he's, he's got all this stuff in the inheritance. Oh, yeah, he also created the universe. It just seems so bonkers to have that as just a sort of second part of the thought. Uh, the amplified version that says, <laughs> that is the universe as a space-time matter continuum. I had never been so happy in my life to find the words space-time matter continuum in the translation of the Bible. I was very, very happy with that. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and this is just, <laughs> excuse me, uh, just one of those places in the Bible that says Jesus was there at the beginning. Uh, you know, we have in Genesis, like, we will create them in our image, and there's sort of this indication that it's, you know, God isn't just a singular being on his own, but this is one of those many parts in the New Testament that said, yeah, Jesus was there, and Jesus was properly, properly involved, and that's just kind of cool to reinforce. Then, it says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. This is probably my, my favorite bit of this passage, I think. Um, because I love that the sun radiates God's own glory, because there's one word that really describes Jesus well, and that is, shiny! <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> as Ryan rolls his eyes, but you know, when Jesus gets transfigured, he becomes like light, his garments glow this white. Paul on the road to Damascus, when he meets Jesus, gets blinded by light, um, and in the Old Testament in like Daniel and Ezekiel when they have visions of Jesus, he's shiny. <laughs> he's, he's like glowing and epically bright. And even in, uh, if those of you who have read the book Imagine Heaven, uh, pretty much everyone who had a near-death experience in that book says Jesus was shiny, like properly bright, and it was this bright sort of light that was love that 
<laughs> um, that you know people like really got thrown by. And my favourite example of like God being light um, is Moses um, going back. So he goes up to Mount Sinai, and now he talks with God up a mountain, and then he comes down, and his face is just shining, and it freaks people out. <laughs> and he has to put this veil over his face to stop people from being like, "Ah, what's up with your face?" You know, it's it's pretty epic, but just from him being in God's presence, he comes back and his face is shining. Um, and there's an advert that I want to play for you now. Uh, could you press the magic button, wifey? Thank you. Moses! <laughs> you know, he had people run up to him going, wow, what's up with your skin? And, you know, that needs to be us. We need to be people who are glowing and radiating. And there needs to be people who are just seem like that lady who runs up just seems completely bonkers. Um, but yeah, we just wouldn't it be great to have people run up to us and go, wow, there's just something about you that is different and something about you that is awesome, and I want that. That's what we want, isn't it? To be radiant and be shiny ourselves. So let's keep flying and stay shiny, uh, for those of you who are fans of Firefly. So I, <laughs> so I would encourage you. One of the things um, that I got challenged by at Spring Harvest was just that my sort of quiet time, and I really don't like that term, um, certainly over a few weeks, just really degraded to a certain extent. And I had to think, yeah, actually, I've not been as shiny as I could have been because I've not actually set aside that time for that one-on-one -on -one with God. And it's really important to do that. Jesus himself regularly went away on his own to pray, um, to spend time with God in with his father and just worked and did stuff and performed miracles out of that place of relationship and that place of shininess. So, so I just encourage you with that really, just to, you know, try and find that time for yourself and if you've lost it, try and reclaim it. And maybe you literally need to go up a mountain uh, to, to get shiny. There's quite a few around, so we're not lacking on that front. But yeah, I would encourage you to, you know, seek that time one-on-one -on -one with God and hopefully we'll come away as shiny people. So, then carries on. <coughs> Excuse me. And it expresses the very character of God. Now, what I like about this is the Greek word for character is character. I wasn't expecting that. Um, and it, what's, so, what's interesting is other translations say that he is uh, the exact, or the exact representation of his being. So the word is his character, but like lots of other translations say the exact representation. And the reason for this, which I didn't know, is that the word character in Greek was actually a tool. And they used to use, this, use a character to engrave things. And eventually it became the word used for the term where you stamp a coin and give like the, put the, the image on the coin. Because if I said to you, um, I tried to describe the queen and say, oh, she's kind of posh and kind of small and kind of old. That's not going to do a very good job of representing the queen. But if I said, queen looks like that, that's a lot easier to understand, isn't it? That is literally what the queen looks like. And it's like that with Jesus. In the Old Testament, you had lots of prophets going, God's kind of like this. But in Jesus, it was God is literally this. This is exactly what God looks like, which is why in the New Testament it says so often, if you want to know the Father, look at the Son, because he is the imprint, he is the exact representation of God in human form, which is really cool. 
Um, <coughs> excuse me. Apologies for the cost. I still got a little bit of a residual tickle from the, the runa. Um, then carries on to say, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Oh, she's just, every, it's just little, we're in the first three verses and there's like been so much epic stuff already. It's just crazy. Um, who's seen The West Wing? I know Liz will put her hand up. For like, If she had 30 hands, she'd probably put those up. Um, but there's a thing that people often, often say in The West Wing, which is, I serve at the pleasure of the President of the United States of America. Um, and if the President of the United States of America doesn't want them there, they're gone. And it's, this is kind of saying, like, the universe is like that. The universe exists because Jesus keeps it existing. Jesus could easily, like, do, you know, uh, epic Thanos snap, and that's it. Reality and the universe and everything we know, gone. But actually, he loves his creation, and he's sustaining it. And we, we are here and still breathing because Jesus wills it to be so, which is quite an epic thought, really. Um, it then goes on to say... When he had cleansed us from our sins. Did anyone know that Jesus cleansed us from our sins? Anyone not aware of that? We're all good? Okay, cool. Um, what I really like about this is, is the word, and I was really happy about it, the song um, Refined Fire, actually, because it said about cleanse us from within, deep within. And that's exactly what it is. It's not when he had cleaned us. It's when he had cleansed us. I would like to think of it as um, Heather will confirm that I'm sometimes a slightly messy eater. And we'll often end up with like, you know, jam or curry or something down my t-shirt. And I can get a cloth and I can clean it, but there'll still be this stain. But actually when it goes in the wash and it gets cleansed and water and detergent shoots through every fibre of that t-shirt, it gets thoroughly cleaned. It's not like this superficial, oh, I'll just wipe that bit, eh, so that'll do. It's this properly, thoroughly cleaned. And I like to think of it as well as, um, as well as being cleaned. We're also like... As, as Christians, we've seen, it's like we've been coated in Teflon now, I think. And, you know, it's like we can still get stuff down us, but you can just go now and it will just fall. It doesn't stick to us. It doesn't stain us. It's still there. It can still be on us, but it doesn't stick. We're now non-stick. We are Teflon coated um, after being fully cleansed and fully cleaned. So I just think that's really awesome. It then says... He sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. It doesn't get any less epic. Um, the right hand being a position of trust and authority, that's something that um, comes up a lot in sort of the Bible, sort of this place of honour at the right hand. And often in the psalm, it's always God's right hand that does the other stuff. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But what I was thinking about this this time when I was reading this was, what do we, because this is kind of a concept that we don't really use so much nowadays, it's not really a thing, but then I realised it might be, because you often have a right-hand man. And I thought, oh, I wonder if that's where it's come from. So maybe someone will know, I don't know, I suspect it's probably come from that. And it's just the idea of, you know, that right-hand man is the person that you have put your trust in to do a job, and you've given authority to do the job, and given skills and all this kind of stuff to do what it is that needs to be done. And it's sort of this partnership as well that's working together. And I thought, oh, I wonder if it is from that. So it might not be, but I'd like to think it is, because I think that's quite nice. So the rest of chapter one, I'm just going to whiz through, like, it's like it's been ages on the first three verses. I'm just going like, to look at the whole of the rest of it in like a couple of sentences, which is um, Jesus is better than the angels, can be summed up 
uh, in, in the rest of chapter one. It's basically this long uh, like thesis looking at things that were said in the Old Testament and looking at Jesus and explaining why Jesus is better than the angels. And that is something that sums up the book of Hebrews really well. One of the main themes of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Or what Hebrews does is it goes and it looks at that long ago and then goes, Jesus is better. Like uh, sacrificial system, that was all right. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Angels are pretty good. Jesus is awesome. You know, it's, that's sort of what Hebrews does. It looks at the old and goes, this is valuable, this was good, but Jesus is better. And that's why it's going to be really fun to, to look at, I think, as a church and see all the betters, because uh, it's going to be quite fun. Some of them um, is uh, quite interesting. I've got one in a few weeks' time on uh, the order of Melchizedek, which is really fun to look at. It's, it's like being a detective, that one. Um, but I'll, I'll shut up, because I'm going to spoil that sermon if I carry on. Um, but yeah, the author of Hebrews is, no one knows, by the way, who the author of Hebrews is, completely unknown. Uh, they reckon it was written about sort of 70 AD, and the people who were there with Jesus spoke with the author and influenced his writing, but they don't really know who it was. <coughs> but what we do know is the author of Hebrews is a Jesus super fan. You know, you can just look at those first three verses and just the awesome epic things that he says about Jesus. Like, Jesus, you know, created the universe and is sitting at the right hand of the Father in all authority and power and did this and this and this and this and is better. So it's just going to be fun because it's just someone going, yeah, Jesus is awesome for like an entire book, pretty much. So it's going to be really, really fun. And we've seen in these opening verses that Jesus is this impressive being of light, you know, he's shiny, um, and he was involved with creation, he's the very imprint of God, who defeated sin, and coated in this in Teflon, and sits in this ultimate authority, and is the fulfillment of much that was promised long ago, and I ju I'm just really excited, I think Hebrew is going to be really fun, um, and I hope this all has whetted your appetite as such. Um, it's this great mix of long ago with what Jesus did, and Jesus is better. So well, there's not a lot of sort of takeaway as such. I've no only takeaway from this talk really other than Hebrews is going to be fun. It's just that stay shiny. I really would encourage you try and find that time to you know have that one-on-one -on -one, uh, with God and spend time reading his word and praying on your you know on your own with him. And uh, if you've got family members with with you, you know say, when's your time that you're going to do that? And how can I help you to make that work? Uh, and that kind of stuff. And that would be good. So that's, that's Hebrews. Is everyone, anyone else excited for Hebrews? Uh, yeah, Woo wooing, yes. Um, so yeah, I will cricket clap, yes. That's one of the things that, um, at Spring Harvest. They, so let's give a round of applause and they did this sort of cricket clap and uh, one of the ladies talking uh, commented on it, it was hilarious. Um, but yeah. That's it for today. I will pass.